Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Welcome, everyone, to this episode. Uh, I'm very pleased and excited to have with me Rod St. Hill. Rod is uh, the full, he's a full-time pastor these days uh, of a great church on the Gold Coast of Australia, Ignite Life Church. Um, but his career has been actually very different to that. Rod has been in the world of economics, uh, teaching in universities uh, for the better part of 40 years, uh, teaching economics, leadership and governance. Uh, he's also on two school boards um, and chair of a charity on the Gold Coast. I don't know where he finds the time to do all these great things, but uh, it's been uh, it's a pleasure to have him on with us today. So, Rod, welcome to the welcome to the show. And it's a great pleasure to join with you, Alex. I'm nothing better. Excellent, excellent. Look, I love talking about biblical economics and you know what that may look like. But I thought I'd start, I guess, with a bigger picture around nations. You know, we live in a, a world which we know is fallen, uh, and there's rich countries, there's poorer countries, and a lot of things in between. Um, so I guess my sort of thing that I'm interested in is why do you think some nations prosper and others don't? Are there any sort of really obvious things? Uh, that stand out to you, you know, based well, on your yes, background? Well, yes, there are, actually. Um, and, and to keep it fairly, fairly simple, because the world is very complex, if you have a look at the histories of those countries that we now refer to as the high-income countries, they've all got Christian roots. So they've, they've built economic, social, and political systems based mm. on biblical principles. And even though today uh, most would disavow any allegiance to biblical principles or to even to Christianity, nevertheless, you can actually trace the roots of those countries back to Christianity. And I think, and on that note, um, I think the fact that they are abandoning it is the reason why they're really in decline. I mean, one thing that concerns me immensely is the decline of the middle class, you know, the people that really make an economy function, and they seem to be just slowly you know, each year it seems to just dwindle away a little bit um, and perhaps increasingly so, like at a more rapid pace now, because of our abandonment of God and taking him out of our, our government and out of our marketplaces. Oh, look, I think that I think that's right. Um, it's, the, it's, it's the people in the middle who end up paying, you know, they have to pay a lot of tax. They also end up depending on government handouts and government services. It's a crazy system whereby for the average income earner, certainly in Australia, I don't know how it is in other countries, but basically with one hand, the government takes income away from us through the tax system. And then if we behave in certain ways, with the other hand, the government just gives it all back again. Mm. And in between, of course, we've got this great big lumbering public service that soaks up so many resources, really without any productive outcome. Well, my concern with that, though, also is the fact that it just never seems to stop growing, like it gets bigger and bigger. And it seems to take up more a portion of employment and of the economy each and every year. And I always think to myself, surely that can't continue at some point, it just falls over. Am I, am I right in that kind of thinking? Because that's where I kind of feel Look, it's I think ultimately, ultimately, it will, but it may be that as people get poorer and poorer, they might uh, rise up and we might see some different political outcomes. 
Uh, mm. One of the great strengths of those high income countries that we were talking about just a few moments ago is that they they are still broadly speaking democratic nations mm. and so there is always the possibility that there will be significant change politically mm. not a lot of sign of that right now um no. especially you know given the outcome of the midterm elections in the united states but mm. that's always a possibility in democratic nations mm. no absolutely and that that gives us a source of hope and a very good thing to pray for um, we do need very courageous political leaders, though, mm. uh, who are not driven by by polls and, and focus groups, but yeah. who are driven by a vision for the nation and who, as leaders, are actually prepared to put their case and persuade people. people. We really don't That's have the challenge. any politicians like that. Really, there's none of them in the world today. Mm. That's true. I find there's very few statesmen around that who really That's right. have That's a vision right. and are really keen to you know, to, to lay no, it out. We're, we're plagued by professional politicians, people who see politics as a career in mm. which they are the beneficiaries, not as a service to people. Mm. That's been a major shift, I think, certainly since about the mid middle of the 20th century. And it's been to our detriment. Mm. Absolutely. Well, look, if we were to put you in charge, here's my here's my question for you. If we were to put you in charge and uh, we were to apply a uh, a kingdom framework, so uh, you know, if you like, kingdom economic policies to our our system, what would that look like? What sort of kingdom economics, you know, when we think about it, applied to our current systems? If we were to change it, well, I'm glad you asked, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it gives me an opportunity to, to outline very briefly what I believe are the biblical underpinnings for, for economics. Look, I don't really argue that there's any such thing as biblical economics or biblical business or a biblical economic system, because the Bible's not primarily a handbook on economics in the same way that it's not a handbook on geology or psychology or anything yeah. like that. However, true. I do believe it's really helpful to us to delve into the Bible to see if we can isolate some key principles. And they are there. Firstly, private property is central to Christian thinking. If you have mm. a look through the, the Levitical law, you'll see there are many, many instances of laws that establish and protect private property. Mm. And of course, private property is also enshrined in the Ten Commandments. Mm. Second, enterprise, purposeful enterprise is clearly taught in the Word of God. That actually requires hard work. Mm. We have to diligently Absolutely. apply the gifts that God has given us uh, as co-creators with him to, to develop what was originally a garden into the wonderful city that will ultimately exist at the end of the whole of human history. Uh, the Bible is scarifyingly critical of indolence or laziness. Mm. You see that through Proverbs. And uh, yep. laziness might, in fact, have eternal consequences. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, of course, actually says, he who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an worse. unbeliever yeah. or an infidel. And I really think that should stop us in our tracks. If we want to be lazy people, it could indeed have eternal consequences for us. Wow. So, you know, enterprise, purposeful enterprise is central to biblical thinking. But 
also appropriate rest. And, and the biblical injunction, of course, work for six days and then rest mm. on the seventh day. And, and that's all about, there's a whole theology around this. And I've, I've been through this um, in, in other uh, venues, but essentially the Sabbath was about withdrawing from the world of commerce, the world of work, and focusing on your relationship with God and mm. with one another. Similarly, the Sabbath year, and then ultimately the year of Jubilee, they mm. were about stepping aside from the commercial world and actually focusing on other things. So that's important. It'd be great, uh, to, bring those, really... be great to bring those back because I think yeah. uh, uh, well, we have this sort I, of seven-day-a-week culture absolutely. now. You know, absolutely. everything's open we, seven days a week. 24-7, absolutely. Mm. Um, it's wrong. It's not mm. good for us because we don't rest appropriately. Mm. And uh, in many countries, of course, they pay penalty rates for work on Sundays, which originally was introduced to um, compensate people for being away from their families. But now people seek Sunday work because it's so well paid. It mm. utterly destroys the whole purpose of that day of rest. And a huge um, consequence on families too, I would have thought. I mean, oh, I think our society in that sense has been yeah. changed permanently. No, there's no doubt about yeah. it. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, absolutely. Mm. We, we don't have time for family. Mm. And uh, that's something we really need to reflect on. And, and an economic system should make family time possible and should, in fact, elevate and celebrate it. Mm. Um, and another important element is, is, is market transactions. In other words, the market really is an, an institutional framework for operating in the economic sphere. And there's a tiny, tiny verse in the Bible. It's in Proverbs 11.26, which I absolutely love. It says this, the people curse him who withholds grain, but there is a blessing upon the head of him who sells. Ah. Now that just screams to me the power of the market. Market. And you know, yeah, when people withhold grain or any other product for that matter, of course, it raises the prices, but it leaves people in misery. Mm. Um, and so that's that's something we need to keep in mind as well. Um, and we're seeing that we're seeing this at the moment with inflation. I mean, oh, prices absolutely. of everything skyrocketing. Yeah. Inflation is a wicked, wicked thing. And, it, um, it is, yeah. It, it was inevitable. We we, we can uh, perhaps discuss this. It was mm. an inevitable consequences of government overspending during mm. the COVID crisis. It had to happen, mm. um, and we can go into that in more detail later if you like, Alex. But but it's one of the consequences of the way in which governments dealt with the, the COVID pandemic. Mm. Um, uh, the other thing is stewardship. Uh, we have to understand that we're only God's stewards here on earth. Mm. So in a sense, God is the ultimate CEO. The ultimate owner of everything. CICs. That's correct. The very first verse in the Bible says, God created the heavens and the earth. So mm. everything in existence actually is originally sourced in God. So that, that's the context in which we're stewards. Now that's not to say we're to sit on all the resources and not do anything with them, but we are to use those resources widely. Mm. And those, the use of those resources should be aimed at the flourishing of humanity. One of my mm. favorite words in the English language, that flourishing. And the final flourishing. I, I, I love it because it has it, the connotation of that word is kind of showing off. And, and when a flower is at its best, it kind of 
shows off and it's really saying, look at me, look at me. Uh, and you look at a flower at its best. It is a thing of absolute beauty. And, yeah. and that's the kind of the kind of thing we need to be developing as business owners, for example, 100%. in terms of what kinds of products and services we offer. And the, the final thing, and by no means least, Alex, is that all through the Bible, there is this theme that we must care for the poor. Mm. As I've mentioned Hundred, hundreds earlier, of verses. Not the indolent, not the indolent. If people mm. are poor because of laziness, we, we, we have no obligation whatsoever to support them. Mm. But we do have an obligation to support the widows, the orphans, the sojourners, and so on. That's the way they're described in the Old Testament. Mm. Essentially, that's people who are poor for reasons that are actually out of their control. Mm. Inju unjust societies and so forth. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, some of it, some poverty is, if you like, systemic. Mm. And, and usually it arises from political systems. Mm. Uh, we need to really deal with that. Uh, some poverty may arise through sickness, through injury, uh, through domestic violence, through a whole range of other things. Uh, we really need to take care of those people. And we need to take care of people, for example, who are, who are disabled in any way as well. Uh, and, and all of these things are, are merely signs or effects of the fallenness of the world. So that, that's the background, I think, we should all, always keep in mind when we're dealing with uh, things of an economic, an economic nature. And uh, by and large, the high-income nations have, have abided by those principles mm. over quite long periods of time. I think now, though, we, we are losing our way because we no longer see the Bible as central to our social and economic systems. Well, and I think one of the signs of that is the drop in volunteer, you know, over the years, volunteerism has dropped, it's plummeted. You know, people would often, you know, I used to go around and collect for the salvos for the Red Shield appeal. And, but I, I organized a group of people to go out and walk. And I always found it hard just to drum up people to go and do it. And it always staggered me, like, how hard is it to give up two hours on a you know, Sunday morning to go out and help help others less fortunate than yourselves? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's just People one are area. People too busy and too tired now. Yeah. And I think it's just one area, just one area where you see it, where you see this exact issue that's playing right. out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's, that's awesome. So just, uh, you know, we talked about the stuff about what causes nations to prosper. And, and you know, and you mentioned... Um, you know, Christian values is what most of the Western world has been built on. That's where it sort of originated. And that's why our systems have been so prosperous. Given we are abandoning that at a very rapid pace, it would seem to me, you know, we've, we've gone from sort of being, I guess, fairly neutral on Christianity over the last 30, 40 years. We now seem to be getting very almost anti when you, when you look at some of the media. Um, where do you think we're going to end up in five to 10 years if we keep you know, we're taking God out of our economic systems and the way we think. Where's it going to? Where's the West likely to end up? Do you think? Look, if we if we keep it up, that's a big if because God can always intervene, and we mm. need to pray for that intervention. But if we keep it up, I think we're headed for a system in which, in every country, there are basically two classes. There mm. are those who are fabulously wealthy, mm. and they will have built their wealth primarily on the back of government subsidies for certain activities. The rest of us are going to be quite poor indeed, and we're going to depend on governments for our sustenance. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, this has been a process that has been going on in the background for many, many years now. 
Mm. I don't know whether many people are aware of it, uh, but for well over, well, probably for 30 to 40 years now, the role of central banks has been strongly focused mm. on um, stabilising economic systems and importantly, fighting inflation. They've also had a role in, in sort of maintaining uh, the banking systems in a, in a healthy state. But one of the outcomes of that is that it has actually protected many classes of asset from mm. um, falls in price. It's mm. actually the wealthy who hold most of those assets. Yeah. So they've been protected and they're protected during times of inflation. But the average person who's trying to pay off a mortgage on a home, they might have some consumer debt, they're working a couple of jobs to make ends meet. They don't have those assets and therefore they're not protected. So mm. they become gradually worse and worse off in terms of what they can purchase and the standard of living that they can aspire to. But we have this class of super rich people now, many of whom, not all, but many of whom have made and are making outrageous fortunes based on government subsidies. Mm. And it's happening right now in the area of so-called renewable energy. The mm. biggest beneficiaries of that are going to be a small group of fabulously wealthy people because they are now in coalition with the with political government. class. So we've got mm. this a business elite and a political elite that are essentially um, in cahoots and the people who are losing are the average, you know, the average person who has one or two jobs they have a lot of debt because they're trying to make their way in the world by buying a home and so on and so forth. They're the ones who are going to suffer. So I see an increasing disparity between the fabulously wealthy and the rest of us. And the rest yeah. of us are really going to struggle. The only salve will be governments will say, well, we'll have some handouts for you, but you've got to sign up to, you know, believing in certain things or behaving in certain ways. And in particular, mm. you've got to stay poor in order to get the handouts. Hey there, just a quick intermission during this episode. Just want to say, hey, please subscribe to this channel. We're trying to reach as many people across the globe with the biblical financial wisdom. There's so much the Bible has to offer. So you help us by subscribing to this channel. Yeah. Well, look, you've raised two really interesting things there. One that's bothered me for a long time is the central bank behaviour. I think uh, in many ways, probably many of them mean well, um, but their approach, particularly over the last, what I mean, we've had a, what, a 30-year decline in interest rates, has led to, as you say, massive asset bubbles, which have benefited the already wealthy. But to me, the concern is people who have now got in, particularly in the last few years, into housing in most Western countries, are now getting slaughtered by higher interest rates or will be in the not-too-distant future. And they'll essentially be what the Bible would call enslaved. You know, It says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower becomes a slave of the lender. And I, I sort of feel this is what's playing out now, courtesy of central bank policy. Is that a, I, I is that a reasonable so. reading of it? I, I think so. Um, you know, we, we actually saw a bit of a prelude to this at the beginning of the global financial crisis mm. uh, well over a decade ago now, nearly 15 years ago now, um, because the, the very beginning of that was mortgage default. Mm. Um, banks had responded particularly to the Clinton administration, which, which wanted poorer people to get access to mortgage lending which they did, 
And there are lots and lots of people on fixed interest loans and they were non-recourse loans, which is fairly common in the United States. Mm -hmm. What happened was interest rates began to rise and um, a lot of people came off their, their period of fixed interest and suddenly had much higher uh, mm -hmm. mortgage repayments to make. They couldn't afford those repayments, so they literally posted the keys to their house to their bank manager bank. and walked <laughs> out. That yep. really was the start of the global financial crisis. Mm. And we're, we're seeing a similar thing happen now. Look, I've had people contact me and say, I'm on a fixed, uh, sorry, I'm on a an, an interest-only loan at the moment, but at the beginning of next year, it goes to a variable interest rate. I know now that I'm not going to be able to meet those mortgage repayments. Mm. And, and look, when people took out these, these loans, anyone who asked me, I said to them, you do your calculations on a mortgage interest rate of 5%. If you can't make the mortgage payments, don't take out the mortgage. Guess how many people took any notice of me? Very few, if any. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. I'm not aware yeah. of anybody who did uh, mm. because nobody could believe it was going to happen. But, mm. you know, all this fast. My, my seventh decade on this planet now. I've <laughs> seen it all before. <laughs> yeah. And, well, um, and, and it's also breathtaking speed because, I mean, the central banks, uh, I mean, particularly the Australian one, you know, November last year said there'd be no rate rises till 2024. That's six correct. months. Six months yeah. later, we've got the fastest rate rises in history. That's right. And look, I, I, I think they were sincere in saying that. I have no doubt the governor of the Reserve Bank mm. is, a, is an honest man of great integrity. But I also think that they 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 believed in an erroneous economic theory. It goes by the name of modern monetary theory. And it essentially mm. says that, look, it's okay if governments overspend, if they've got large deficits, and we can actually fund that by effectively printing money because mm. what that will do, it, it, it will increase economic activity. So there'll be more jobs, there'll be more spending, and um, you know everything will be okay. But actually it really kind of only works in a theoretical world. It doesn't work in the real world. Mm. And what governments were doing during the global financial crisis was ramping up their spending massively. Mm. And uh, Milton Friedman was right. I mean, he said mm -hmm. that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And it happens when there's too much money chasing too few goods and services. It's yeah. just a mathematical reality that prices have to go up. Yeah. That massive spending, and, and I wrote about this, I, I wrote some um, letters to the editor of some newspapers here in Australia on this um, topic during the global financial crisis. The only outcome from that, it's got to be inflation or higher taxes or less government spending in the future or some combination of the few. So governments have chosen not to reduce their spending and not to reduce taxes, generally speaking. Mm. Therefore, we have inflation, which is just another way of taxing people. The problem is it hurts the people who can least afford to bear the cost. Absolutely. And now, I mean, the energy prices, you know, they're forecasting up 50% over the next 18 months. I mean, that oh, with actually, mortgage rates, right. I mean, it's going to be... Between about 2020 and the end of 2023 here in Australia, um, our, our power costs will go up by about 100%. Mm. That that's phenomenal, phenomenal, oh. and and normally that's the kind of thing that would see a government turfed out of office, but um, we just live in this the weirdest of possible worlds where mm. there is no possible way that the world can come to rely on renewable fuels even by twenty fifty. It's just not 
going to happen because we simply cannot afford the cost. We can't afford the cost. And I was reading an interesting thing the other day just about the batteries, and that is that we don't have enough lithium to a create the batteries and then when they you know when they wear out to then replace them you know every 10 years or have a it's just not enough available and lithium is also a very dangerous substance Mm. Uh, no doubt we'll we'll get better better and safer batteries into the future and look i've got no issue with um, electric propulsion for vehicles Uh, one of my sons-in-law is actually designing and working on an electric motor for aircraft and uh, wow. there are applications for these things. I, I think electric cars make a lot of sense in certain urban areas. Uh, electric motors, even for aircraft, make sense for short hops because ultimately they're much cheaper to operate. Mm. Uh, so there's there are strong economic incentives to do it. But to believe that we can somehow survive by, by producing uh, power from only uh, um, um, renewables, it's just a deception. Mm. And uh, oh, what I, I think, it, 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 again, look, it's a sign that we've we've just left God right out of the equation, frankly. Uh, and you hear that because, see, we're we're the ones who are going to fix this disaster. Human beings somehow are going to fix this disaster. I don't think we are. I, I my own view is that it's probably true that overall there is some increase in the average surface temperature around the globe. We've been there before. Mm. This is not new. It's cyclical. Yeah, it's cyclical. Geological history. Mm. Uh, the idea that us puny human beings can actually change this, I think, just reveals a hubris that is mm. unjustifiable. And uh, I think that what's happened, unfortunately, is that um, what I would call loosely the Marxists or, or the leftists, if you like, they've, they've, they're now using this as a means of implementing their own um, socio-political economic scheme of things um, which actually denies that individuals have any value Mm. and uh, look Alex you know economics the kind of economics that I believe in places high value on the individual the individual's Mm. enterprise the individual's right to make decisions about how they expend their income and so on well, I would argue that Christie, the, the most important and dangerous idea that Christianity introduced into human history was the idea that individuals have value. We have mm. value because God made us and God loves us. That is the most radical idea ever introduced to human thinking, and it came sure. through Christianity. It's undeniable. It came through Christianity. And it ought to be reflected in the economic system. The, the problem I have, the main problem I have with these, these Marxist and neo-Marxist and some Marxist cultural systems is that they deny that the individual has any value. They uh, assign us to classes mm. and then policy flows from there. And uh, one of the biggest issues I have with communist regimes like the CCP in China is that there is no such thing as individual freedom. Mm. There is no such thing as the state existing to care for the individual. It's the other way around. The individual exists to fulfill the purposes of the state. state. And that's why we should have no truck with it at all. We should run. We should flee from that kind of iniquity. We should never vote for a politician 
who has Marxist tendencies, especially if we're Christians, because it is anti-Christian and it actually goes against the wisdom of the word of God. But just to add to that, it, go, it goes against what you were saying earlier, which is the, the purpose of human flourishing. Like it, 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 it reduces flourishing and leads, leads to impoverishment. And therefore, by, def therefore by default, it's, it's a flawed system. Um, Definitely. And look, countless millions of people have died through socialist or communist regimes in the 20th century. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes the, the, the ardent atheists argue that religion, in particular Christianity, is a bad thing because of all the wars and unrest and killing that has been associated with it. But let me tell you, in the 20th century alone, <laughs> far more people have died because of the actions of atheists, particularly the communists and socialists, than have starvation ever, um, starvation absolutely just absolutely. unbelievable yeah. absolutely. breathtaking it, it's yeah. rotten to the core and we should have it no is. truck with it yeah no, absolutely so just just on this then in terms of i guess the hope side of it um because obviously we've talked about sort of the trend and where it's going just to sort of finish off what do you think is what can we do to reverse this trend how do we sort of if you like reclaim our societies reclaim economics and having that kingdom focus what do we need to do to kind of try and reverse this trend if we can yeah look it's a good question alex it can't be it can't be reversed unless god's in the center of it hmm. so the very first thing we can and must do of course is pray we need to pray 100%. into this situation we need to pray that godly Bible believing people will be raised up in in every sphere of human activity. Society, yeah, I do have great hope in two global business movements, Alex. I'm quite heavily involved in both uh, Kingdom Initiatives. Uh, oh, yep. You would know Dave Hodgson, yep, who established yep. Kingdom Initiatives originally as Kingdom Investors, and the other one is Business as Mission. Oh, yep. uh, both yep. of these are now global movements. They have very, very strong biblical underpinnings. Mm -hmm. And when I say biblical underpinnings, they've got a really strong understanding of those principles that I mentioned earlier. And there are now businesses cropping up all over the world that adhere to these principles. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we will see these grow. And the reason is that we've prayed for thousands of years now, the Lord's Prayer, our mm -hmm. Father who is in heaven, your name be hallowed or honoured your kingdom mm. come, your will be done. These are businesses that are God honoring. Mm. These are businesses that are doing God's will, his way. Love I it. believe God is using these businesses to more fully establish his kingdom on earth. So every time we pray the Lord's prayer, I believe we are praying for the kind of change that, that, that you're seeking, Alex, and that I'm seeking. I, I have great hope uh, mm. Because I, I now, you know, I'm rubbing shoulders with business people, literally globally, who, who have this heart. And, mm. and look, it may take a while for us to convince pastors and the church in general that, mm. that God is using business as an enormously positive spiritual power mm. to transform our world. And, um, you know, we're seeing this, you know, the evil, evil is growing but at the same time too, righteousness is growing. And Absolutely. so, you know, to end on a positive note, I'm hugely optimistic and I personally put a lot of my own time and effort and energy into it as you do, Alex. 
mm. in in you know you make a lot of resources freely available on social media uh, for people who have a desire to manage their own wealth portfolios in a prudent and godly manner. You know, you're doing this. I personally know of probably another half dozen people. And, and these people are not necessarily making money out of what they're doing. Mm. But I think they've captured something of the heart of God for our age. Mm. And, uh, you know, as they say, God is not dead. So, look, Absolutely. I do have a positive hope yeah. for the future. If we remain on the path we're on, we're doomed to poverty. Mm. But I'm seeing these businesses flourish more and more. And I think eventually they're going to influence the church and they will influence the political realm and, and many other spheres of human activity as well. And that will be for our betterment. It will be for the flourishing of humanity, if you like, an expression of yeah. God's common grace, his desire that all human beings on the planet should flourish. Mm, wow, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Rod, it's been brilliant having you. I love, uh, you know, as I've said to you in the past, I love just listening to you and just hearing really well articulated biblical thinking uh, about the world and having a good proper economic worldview that's based and grounded in scripture. So it's been awesome to have you on the show. I'd love to have you back again sometime and I wish I'm you all the best in your, you. uh, in the journey as being a pastor too, because that's, that's always a challenge as well. I talked to lots it's of a pastors. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. It's been You're awesome. You're very to have welcome, you. Alex. Thanks Rod.